0: All right, so Isaiah, are, are we excited? This is going to be a fun journey. Um, I, we've done scripture-based uh, stuff in our in-person group, but have not yet tackled that fully for, for our online groups. So it's a kind of a different structure. I, I hope that that's okay and that we, we find our, our new groove here. Um, but I, I find it's been really fun just going through chapters one through three. Um, does anyone have any, like, insights or uh, things that popped out at them this week as they, they studied chapters 1 through 3? Um, or just general questions before we kind of really dive in and, and start tackling uh, some of these verses? And if not, that's totally fine, too. Still kind of getting people in here. Um, so, uh, how do you pronounce your name? Shamala or Shamala?
1: Shamala, like Pamela.
0: Okay, Shamala, like Pamela. I'm writing that down.
2: (laughs) All right, yeah, go ahead.
1: Thank you. Um, Okay, so cucumbers. It talks about cucumbers. (laughs) And that was weird. I actually looked up. Cucumbers stood out to me so much. I was like, what the heck in the world that's coming? I've seen like fire and lots of bad stuff, but cucumbers? and a garden of cucumbers which would be hard to grow in a place that is filled with fire and brimstone so there's there's two places that it references that here and um after the israelites are basically cast out and they're being fed with manna Mm -hmm. and they're longing and wishing for cucumbers they're like what the heck manna oh god's feeding us from heaven but where did the cucumbers go? Take us back to those. <laughs> that's and a that very was really interesting, interesting connection. Yeah, so maybe that's just a total sidebar. But I thought that was cool.
0: I love it. Yeah, because that was something that was pulled out in our in-person group here. Um, in the Isaiah translation, it taught it translates it as a melon field. It doesn't say cucumbers, and so um, that was an interesting thing to to pick up on and, and, and what is the significance of cucumbers? And, and just that reference back to the children of Israel coming out of the Exodus, that that's huge. I, I think that that's probably what those um, those translators, the King James translators in the Latin were, were pulling from there. I, I like that that imagery there. All right. Anything else? Any other insights or, or crazy things that, that people noticed that uh, we want to talk about?
3: Well, Cameron, um, I just listened to him explain on the Isaiah Institute that the reason we go to the temple is to see God, not to increase statistics. And I just loved that so much Mm -hmm. that I wanted to mention that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So that's pulling out of chapter 1, um, verses 11 through 15-ish, or whatever, that the Avraham is really talking about that. Uh, I found that that was one of the most eye-opening things to me as I was listening to his commentary. Like, whoa, my temple attendance in the past has not been up to par here, uh, if that's what Isaiah is saying. And uh, that, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I was able to go back to the temple today and, and spend the day in the temple. And I was, I was trying so hard to, to implement Isaiah decoded and, and all of these things into my, my temple learning today. And it's like, holy cow, I have been coming for the wrong reason for the past few years. I, it's, it's been more about statistics and uh, efficiency, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this many names. I'm going to do this and this and this, uh, scheduled out routine, go home and, and go right back to Babylon kind of thing. But going to the the temple uh, and actually going there for the right reason to see his face, uh, I found that that was so uh, intriguing and captivating to, to, to put it into practice. I, I love that.
2: Um,
4: I, oh, oh. Go for it. I forgot to raise my hand. <laughs> um, I really found it interesting all the talk that they had about idols it just because it's something that I have been thinking a lot about lately and trying to identify what idols I have in my life and so I just thought you know like in chapter two in verse I'm just looking right now verse eight and then again in verse 18 you know he he just talks several times about idols and so you know I just I just feel like that's such an important thing right now, at least for me to identify what that is for me. And Mm so anyway, that kind of popped out at me.
0: Yeah. I think it's very important that that is like the number one commandment to to love God and and Mm -hmm. not replace him. That's kind of the whole history of Israel. The children of Israel through all ages of history have always dealt with idolatry and to, Uh, I think that that's a a common plague in our day where we just dismiss idolatry. No, that's something that they dealt with. We don't deal with it. But yet when we look at things honestly, we are such an idolatrous people. uh, I mean, we will set up anything as an idol really. (laughs) And so uh, it's sometimes hard to identify because we're so steeped in it. Uh, You know,
4: it made me think a lot about too. I've been thinking a lot this week about... um, Ideologies too, as idols—not just the material things like phones and TVs and that kind of thing, but but uh, ideologies that are going around right now that people are obsessed with. That I feel like are a form of idols too. So there's yeah, just so many.
2: <laughs> what are some of those idols? Are uh, like, all of a
0: sudden the, ideologies? Uh, ideologies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What are some of the common ones that we're seeing, especially amongst the church?
4: um The ones in the church. Well, I, I've just noticed, you know, like with the the critical race theory is one of them that that yeah. I've really noticed that even a lot of the members of the church are um, are really supporting that. And you know, I don't know how anybody else feels about it here. <laughs> that's why I wasn't really going to say <laughs> yeah, well, much about no it, but. <laughs> But, you know, from what i studied, it it uh, it can replace God. Mm-hmm. So if you're not careful.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it seems like, yes, these things have been around for a while in in ways. But, like, even just this last week, like, we're just being, like, hit with ideology after ideology, you know, like LGBTQ. And, and, yes, like, absolutely. And all of this stuff just being bombarded like crazy.
2: Yeah, I'll leave you.
5: Oh man, I had one and I now I can't remember what it is. Oh, making like being offended and making people responsible for your feelings, right? And Elder Bednar gave a talk long before this. Like, when was that? 2017, the one about to act and not be acted upon being our own agents, right? But just making other people responsible for our feelings. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah not owning up to it ourselves
6: um i was going to say that it's so interesting as you go back and know the history of the children of israel after everything that happened and them having to spend that extra 40 years basically to wipe out that generation and then finally they get to go into the new land and they never did really understand to get get to the very purpose of being monotheistic is when they went into the, the land they were told to get rid of the idols and the groves and they never did do that and that was really their downfall they seem to want to cling on to uh, these comforts of life or these other idols and that's so interesting as we look at our day and age and see what is it that we cling on to right Mm -hmm. yeah for sure
0: um did anyone have a chance to to watch the the video that i sent out by the bible project um so let me i'm just going to pop the graphic up on the screen let me find it really quick but um this youtube video is super helpful i find that after we've studied isaiah decoded and have like this great framework uh uh, for the ladder to heaven now we kind of need the history overview and um just 2nd i'm trying to find it it's in part two um
3: put them in a right relationship
0: with where we can kind of see isaiah from from a whole perspective here um let me screenshot this sorry i did not prepare this ahead of time need to get better at doing that um Here's my screenshot. screen share. Okay, so that's kind of blurry, but it's off of a YouTube video and I'll put the link in the description. But um, after the Israelites come out of exile, in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapters 40 through 48, they put God on trial and say, well, you say you've done all of this stuff for us, but we don't see it because the gods of Babylon provided more for us than you did and and God's trying to tell them no that was me <laughs> that was me doing these things for you not the gods of, of Babylon what are you talking about and they put him on trial and then they end up saying no we we'll, we we'll, we're we're more convinced that, that our blessings came from them rather than from from Jehovah and so um, then the Lord counteracts that with the the suffering servant, the end time servant, and and that's why that comes about. Anyway, I found that very interesting as I was reading or watching that YouTube video um, and seeing how some of this stuff plays out. Um, we've studied it with like Ezra's eagle, etc. That 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 Babylon captivity, um, but here to have it in Isaiah's context and what he's seeing in context of the. the the ladder to heaven, I I find that so very interesting. Uh, Idolatry is is always rampant uh, amongst Israel's history there. Um, So any comments or anything? I'm going to hurry and copy these links into the chat before I forget to do that. Let me do that. All right, so this is part one. And um, both parts are like eight minutes long. So it's, I think it's like a must watch. Um, And I would probably like watch it every week before you get down and uh, start studying because it's so helpful to to see the whole framework of Isaiah's history that he's talking about and then putting it into the bifid structure and then putting it into the the seven part uh, ladder to heaven, et cetera seeing these different contexts all come together is very helpful to me. I don't know. Um, In our in-person class here, we actually watched that 16-minute video and then really talked about it, fleshed it out as we read the material. And and it seemed to spark a lot of conversation and uh, realizations about what we're seeing and what we're um, analyzing from the the Book of Isaiah. So I highly recommend watching that video. Um, so let's kind of transition to the bifid structure. So I sent out the um, email with this graphic that I made about the bifid structure, taking it from Isaiah Decoded directly, and then kind of color coding it. Um, did everyone have a chance to kind of look at that and uh, see why we're studying the way that we're studying? Um, so. Isaiah's seven-part structure that's presented in Isaiah Decoded is in a chiastic form. It begins with ruin and rebirth, and, and it works its way all the way through disinheritance and inheritance, but it does it in two parts. So there's the first half of Isaiah chapters 1 through 33, and then the second half of Isaiah 34 through 66, where there's contrasting ideas on the same idea of like ruin and rebirth here for part one, and so this book that's called the the literary message of Isaiah um, goes through each of these topics and and fleshes them out um, in comparing the first half versus the second half, and so that's why we're studying we're spending two weeks on each part of this chiasm, and so uh, chapters one through three is about ruin and rebirth. Um, and then next week, we're going to be studying 4 and 5 and 34 and 35 to get this full picture of what ruin and rebirth looks like, what it is, why Isaiah is writing about it, and how it plays into the whole prophecy uh, in large. Um, does anyone have like any experience with, with studying Isaiah in the bifid structure? I know we have some Isaiah institute veterans here and, and things. What insights do you uh, have from from looking at the Bifid structure or this, this seven-part structure that has helped you uh, really understand where Isaiah is coming from and his uh, end-time prophecies of it? Does anyone have any examples or, or things that they can share from them?
2: And if not, that's totally fine.
6: Cameron yeah. It seems like with the
1: ruin and rebirth and then where you're just talking about the, the history there, it kind of seems like the rebirth is the hope because there's always hope and that seems like that's what the
4: rebirth is is the hope.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. the children of Israel
0: always fall, right? I mean we're natural man tendencies, etc. Uh, we're, we're not perfect. And so there's, there's always judgment, but there's a hope, because there's an, always the opportunity for rebirth. So even though we ruin ourselves, God makes it possible for a rebirth to happen, as long as we want it and comply, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, if you watch that video that I put in the, the chat there, it talks about judgment and hope, But Isaiah or Avraham Gileadi words it as ruin and rebirth, but they're the same two concepts that that get played out here. Yeah. So um, let's actually just kind of dive in and uh, read from Isaiah Decoded here, or the book of Isaiah, sorry. so, if every I, I think that we'll kind of do this with every week, we'll at least read like one chapter together. And so, if you want to bring your King James version, if you want to bring your um, uh, Isaiah Institute version, NIV, whatever you got, I think it's helpful to to look and compare them uh, across each other. So, I'm going to read the Isaiah Institute version and. Um, I'm going to read, let's see, how many verses do we have here? So 31. So can I have two volunteers? And we're going to read like 10 verses each. So uh, if you want to just raise your hand in the chat or, or something like that. Um, so Shamala and um, we have another volunteer. And Neil Westwood. Okay, so I'm going to read one Are th- you getting... Th-
5: where are you getting this from? Is this from the Isaiah Explained site?
0: Uh, it can be. Yes, it's on there for sure.
5: Okay, uh-huh. and then is that the one with all the commentary? I'm not. No, that's the apocalyptic one. Let's see.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of organized where there's there's pieces of it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but if you go to IsaiahExplained.com, mm-hmm. that's where it's in like chapter and verse form. Very easy to to follow. Um, the Isaiah Explorer is a very complex tool that you can uh, deep dive into footnotes, etc. Versus IsaiahExplained.com is, is a very handy chapter and verse that can compare it directly.
5: Yeah, that other one's such a deep dive that I couldn't figure it out. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yeah, it, it took me quite a while. It took me a good a month just to play around, experiment with it before I finally started getting
2: <laughs>
0: used to it. But yeah, and, and you're more than welcome to pull it up on Gospel Library and look at it in the King James Version as well. But um, so I'll read verses one through 10 and then Shambhala 11 through 20 and then Neil Westwood will, will finish out uh, the rest of chapter one there. So the book of Isaiah, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he beheld concerning Judea and Jerusalem during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, give heed, O earth. Jehovah has spoken. I have reared sons, brought them up, but they have revolted against me. The ox knows its owner, the ass its master's stall. But Israel does not know. My people are insensible. Alas, a nation astray, a people weighed down by sin. The offspring of wrongdoers, perverse children. They have forsaken Jehovah. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel. They have lapsed into apostasy. Why be smitten further by adding to your waywardness? The whole head is sick, the whole heart diseased. From the soles of the feet, even unto the head, there is nothing sound, only wounds and bruises and festering sores. They have not been pressed out or bound up, nor soothed with ointment. Your land is ruined, your city is burned with fire, your native soil is devoured by aliens in your presence, laid waste at its takeover by foreigners. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, a hut in a millen field, a city under siege. Had not Jehovah of hosts left us a few survivors, we should have been as Sodom or been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of Jehovah, O leaders of Sodom! Give heed to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Oh, sorry, you're muted, Shamla. <laughs>
1: Thank you. I'm reading out of um, the book of Isaiah from Gileadi. And so it uses some of those updated terms as well. um, Because it super helps. So here we go. Verse 11. For what purpose are your abundant sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had my full, I'm sorry, I've had my fill of offerings of rams and of the fat, of fatted beasts, the blood of bulls and sheep. And he goes, I do not want. When you come to see me, who requires you to trample on my court's so bring no more worthless offerings they are as loathsome incense to me as for convening meetings at the new month and on the sabbath wickedness with the solemn gathering i cannot approve your monthly and your regular meetings my soul detests they have become a burden on me and i'm weary of putting up with them when you spread forth your hands i will conceal my eyes from you though you pray at length i will not hear your hands are filled with blood wash yourself clean remove your wicked deeds from before my eyes cease to do evil learn to do good demand justice and stand up for the oppressed plead the cause of the fatherless and appeal on behalf of the widow come now let us put it to the test says the lord though your sins be as scarlet they can be made white as snow Though they are they have reddened as crimson, they may become white as wool. If ye are willing and obey, you shall eat the good of the lamb. But if ye are unwilling and disobey, you shall be eaten by the sword, and by his mouth the Lord has spoken it.
7: Okay. Well, this is a King James version, of this LDS scriptures. How is the faithful city become an harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Thy silver is become dross, thy wine mixed with water. Thy princes are rebellious and companion of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts and followeth after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. Ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies, and I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin, and I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment, and her converts with righteousness, and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks which ye have desired, and ye shall be confounded for the gardens that they have chosen, ye have chosen, for ye shall be as an oak whose leaf fadeth, and as a garden that hath no water. And the strong shall be his toe, and the maker of it is a spark. And they shall both burn together, and none shall quench them.
0: All right. So if you would have asked me even a year ago, well, even a month ago, <laughs> to interpret chapter 1 of Isaiah, I would have been completely baffled and just been like, uh, yeah, it, there, a bunch of bad stuff happened. But with some of this context, Isaiah decoded the history of Israel, etc. Things are really starting to to come together, even though I I don't profess to to know all the the different intricacies that are here in this chapter. But what were some of the things that that stood out to you as we were reading that? As um, we're hearing what Isaiah's judgments are, well, the Lord's judgments through the prophet Isaiah and the, the messages of hope, the covenantal language. Um, just what insights did you have from, from chapter one there?
4: Well, he says a lot that he's weary of, <laughs> of all of the iniquity and you know, all of the, the sin and everything. He's grown so weary of it. Um, I just remember him saying that quite a few times in there. Poor heavenly
2: father <laughs> <laughs> exactly
0: right like how many prophets <laughs> do you have to send before the people start getting it how what more can i do for my people uh you know he's only ever had imperfect people to work with but but he always manages to to, to get his work done yeah. yet in isaiah's time right before the babylonian captivity and in the end times we we have some some very steep idolatry and, and things to, to overcome, don't we? He, you know, and, and it's not just the, the world at large. I mean, in the church, this is, uh, he's talking to, to his covenant people here. Yeah. You.
5: Um, I'm just looking, let's see. Oh, 13, bring no more worthless offerings. They're loathsome to me. And then 14, your monthly and regular meetings, my soul's, my soul detests. So, I mean, I, as I was reading this today, I had so many notes, but some are from long ago. And I just had this thought, I need to write down my notes for this meeting separately. And I didn't do it. So, but I do remember that one of the things I wrote down was like, how do we worship differently? Like, what are we doing? How can we worship better? And then I also was thinking about the admonition, what the last two years, and actually they're not even talking about it much anymore about keeping the Sabbath day. Holy. So how, you know, how do we, like when you spread forth your hands, I'll conceal my eyes. I don't want that. Um, and so I just have been pondering like how, how to make my worship more meaningful.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So like,
5: That's like to everybody, like, how do you make your worship more meaningful? I know like one thing we've started doing, we started this before they asked to keep the Sabbath day holy, but we always show up to church like 20 minutes early, Mm -hmm. which is great. And then I will read and ponder, but then I hate it because people come up talking to me in the chapel and it's like, (laughs) no, don't talk to me, you know, (laughs) or or they're so loud, but that's one thing. And then, um, somebody else had something to say, was that you, I always forget how to say your name. Shamala? Shamala. Shamala. Okay, sorry. It's like Alethea, right?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, your two names, I (laughs) But yeah,
0: um, so let's see. You can ask as many (laughs)
1: times as you need to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Neil
7: and then Jen.
1: Sorry.
7: I I was just in uh, 25. uh, You know, we'll either be cleansed and purified or as he says i'll turn my hand upon thee." sound like a you know a father going after a son or daughter for giving him a good Mm -hmm. licking and purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin you know as a student of the last days we know that he is going to come and he will purge his house first and then purge the the nations and we can expect that you know we're going to We're going to get humbled uh, uh, either by voluntary or he's going to make sure we do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, So then we'll go Janet and then Gemma.
3: In answer to the question, how can we make our worship more meaningful? um, Abraham said that we need to worship with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. We truly need to, to be repentant. We need to think about what we can do better and repent and offer the only thing that we can truly, a broken heart and a contrite spirit.
2: Yeah. No, thank you.
5: I like that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and then Chandler? Um,
1: My thought, it has to do with possessions. For me, there has been no faster way to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit than the Lord literally taking away everything, including a place to live for us. Everything. And um, just before we moved, I was sitting in a sacrament meeting and they were talking about um, you know, idolatry. And it brings it up and, and they, they talked about the Sabbath and, and such. But it hit me like never before that all of the possessions we have are could they could be exactly what is possessing us mm. that we could be possessed by possessions and we you know phones TVs okay those things as idols but what about clothes or pillows or bed or for heaven's sake even a home some people go house poor because they spend so much money on a home that they can't hardly afford food because they want to, I don't know, whatever. I'm not judging anybody, but um, mm. just things like that. Wherever we put our priorities, and is it on possessions or things, or is it on God and relationships? So there's my two cents.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, I, I definitely um, had to look into myself on that one.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I found that's really coming to the forefront uh, for me this last year as well too. Yeah, just possessions. I mean, uh, because some collections and obsessions that we have that, that really can pull the, the focus away. Um, Stefan, did you have your hand up?
6: Uh, yes. So I remember back living in LA years ago and and um, just a lot of uh, people there that I knew had so many possessions. And exactly what you just said, Shamala, um, we had a saying there that your possessions possess you. And I so agree with that. Um, I just think, uh, as I look around and and see all these new homes being built, and they're like, you know, ten thousand square feet, twenty thousand square feet. I just look at that and I thought, oh my goodness, you know. And not to judge people because I think some people may have very good reasons for doing that, but there comes a point where you know, enough is enough. And are you spending all your times taking care of your possessions versus taking care of yourself with the Lord?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, i
5: No, and I've been, you know, I said this the last, I don't know if it was the last class or the one before that, that I think we're going to replay out the saints at the time of the restoration and think about I mean, they, they were literally stripped of everything, right. Um, as they moved from city to city, state to state, even just gathering to, with the saints um, from Europe. I mean, they literally left everything behind and they were stripped of everything. And I've just, you know, been pondering that and thinking, what, what are we going to be stripped of?
2: hmm yeah, for sure.
0: Um, we'll go with L and then Stefan.
3: Yeah, just what she said about being stripped of everything. It'd be easier, you know. And what and what I think Neil said too—that we're humble. It's better that we strip ourselves of these things rather than have the Lord take them from us. I'm like, it <laughs> would be better to start assessing. You know, I'm cleaning house and going through things and going, "Oh, do I really need this? Is this really yeah. important?" <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You know, what can we strip ourselves of?
2: Mm -hmm.
3: I really like that, Alethea. Yeah,
2: for
6: sure. I I think that that's one of the main reasons why missionaries do it so well, because when they go to the mission field, they really don't have a lot of possessions, do they? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's a suitcase, two maybe three at the most, and and that's it for a year and a half or two years. And their whole focus is not about possessions at all.
2: Exactly. And then
5: uh, I'm probably one of the weird moms. I don't know if anybody else is like this, but probably the last three months of my kid's mission, I cry because I really don't want them to come home. I know that this is going to, like, they will never have this experience again. Even if you go on a mission as a couple, you will never be that devoted to the Lord again, and that unencumbered by the world. And and I, I like that because you know, and I just know what heartaches and challenges life is going to give them. And that's what life is about. And they they can't just be missionaries forever. Right. But in a way, I mean, I was a missionary and you come back to life. You, you spend all this time leaving Babylon, then you spend this time re-entering Babylon. And then you spend the rest of your life trying to leave Babylon again. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And, and getting back to that time when, when you were a missionary, but that's one of the hardest things. I mean, it's hard for me to send my kids, but having them come home was almost harder because I just ached. I didn't I didn't want them to come home because I just know. And so I guess I need to internalize that and hey, how can I become like that? And that focused on the Lord, that focused on ministering and that focused on not being in Babylon. In fact, my daughter's most difficult companion, um, they didn't have social media when they were growing up. They were homeschooled. They weren't allowed to watch TV, music, anything. And actually she had a really hard time because she actually came on her mission and now they could listen to gospel music. You know, and Julia's like, so what's your favorite group? And she's like, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. You know, and she wasn't allowed to have social media and now she suddenly was, and that was actually a real challenge for her because it was almost like our kids leave Babylon it was almost like she was entering Babylon. Oh. So It was just she had stripped her. She was raised stripped of Babylon.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting dichotomy there. Um, So not necessarily change of focus, but going back to the, the, the Sabbath day uh, observance, I, this question just came to mind, but how many of you uh, were able to actually watch the, the training videos that the church put out through the ward councils on Sabbath day observance? Uh, so it's not general conference, but the actual training videos. Um, it was given in two sessions and it had like worksheets and uh, a question and answer period uh, after each speaker, etc. How many were were able to, to view that? Uh, it's just an interesting question. Nobody? This is, <laughs> this is my... I
5: never heard of them.
0: Yeah, um, I, it was presented in our ward council, and we were asked to disseminate it amongst our, our home teaching beats. And um, anyway, the only reason I knew about it was because our bishop uh, at the singles board was, was up on it at the time, and he asked me to present it. Um, to our Sunday school and, and, and really go with it. But I remember it, it literally changed my life, this training that the church put out. It was by the general authorities, and they each had a, a section of the Sabbath day observance that um, they, they wanted to do. And it was monumental in, in the shift and change. So like the prophecies about how the, the malobservance of the Sabbath day will bring on the, the tribulations of the end time. They didn't say it in that specific language, but, but those prophecies, like, one of the biggest indicators of how bad it's going to get is when the members stop observing the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And, and they were all just really trying to, um, to do this. And I remember Elder Cook at the very end of it was like, will, like, he just looks at the audience, will you help us give the Sabbath day back to the Lord? yes or no. And, and it is just like so powerful. I still have those videos. I'll, I'll email out the, the links to those. Um, but it, it's a very valuable training that I found most ward councils that I've heard of have never got it, never passed it on. Uh, like, it's just nowhere. <laughs> it was in my singles board, but um, it, it was supposed to, to disseminate throughout the whole church but it was an interesting kind of dead-in-the-water training. Um, But I find that uh, this last week and Come Follow Me, we were studying with my brother and his family, and um, we were talking about what are some of the things that are causing the, the chaos in our nation? And like my answer, hands down, Sabbath day observance. It was like, what? Really? Like, why? Why would you say that kind of thing? And I'm like, no. Hands down, that's what's causing this. Sabbath day observance is a sign about how we treat God and feel about God. And and if you can't give the Sabbath day back to him, uh, it it brings on the curses of the the Sinai covenant, uh, the Davidic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. It it brings on the curses of all of them. And so uh, I think that that's, that's huge. And I think that that's why Isaiah is starting off right out the gate in chapter one, talking about this. Why do you trample my courts so? Why do you bring me meaningless sacrifices? Why do you partake of the sacrament and don't mean it? Why do you come without a broken heart and a contrite spirit? Why do we go to the the temple for proxy work where we're pretending to be these amazing proxy saviors, but what have we learned about proxy saviors? They enacted Davidic covenants on behalf of people to protect them, but we're just about statistics, taking names to the temples. We're not there to see God. We're not there to, to actually save these people. We're just filling, being a, a number in the statistics kind of thing. And uh, anyway, I think Isaiah chapter 1 is one of those hard-hitting looks into our worship as, as members of, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think we have a long way to go as a general population. And uh, if anything, that, that's what hit me the most out of Isaiah chapter 1. Um, but anyway, yeah, what, what where do we want to head for, for the next uh, part? Do we want to continue reading with chapter 2 and 3? Do we want to uh, talk about any other parts of, of Isaiah that you'd like to do? Um, what are your guys' thoughts?
5: Um, Cameron, I just wanted to say that um, when the prophet, who's was President Monson, first started talking to us about keeping the Sabbath day holy, um, I read the promises in Leviticus 26, and I know that they're somewhere else, but Leviticus 26 is so complete, and not only the blessings, but the cursings. And when you read that, you... I just would read that and go, why would anyone not want to keep the Sabbath day holy? Right? And and it was something, there were some things about, I can't remember because uh, the exact wording, but I remember going, okay, this is talking about terrorism. This is talking about, like, this is not just ancient scripture. This is talking about things that are happening to us today and we'll be protected from those things. And then when it says, if you don't do this, then I will hate you. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) I don't want the Lord to hate me, you know? And, um, and there was another word, not hate. Maybe it wasn't hate. There was another word. I will swear against you or something. And I'm like, oh, I don't want that. Um, But I think Leviticus 26 is one of the most powerful scriptures of blessings and cursings. For the Sabbath day, at least. And anything that we want, any, any mm, blessings that we want from the Lord, protection from the Lord, that's what I should say, is all covered by keeping the Sabbath day. And I remember in conference, one of the, I think it was probably even the prophet said, you know, we prayed and asked the Lord, what is it we need to teach the people? And all we got was keep the Sabbath day holy. And when I read that, I realized, okay, yeah, that's what it is. That's where it's at. And that's what Isaiah is telling us here too, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, let's go ahead and uh, read
0: chapter two. Let me see how many verses we've got here. Um, So can we have two volunteers to to read uh, 10 verses each out of it? And so as we're reading chapter two, try to look at um, specifically our day, 2020, 2021, and and see if any of this stuff applies from chapter two. Um, So yeah, two volunteers. All right, so Cindy, uh, verses one through 10. And then, oh, sorry, who raised their hand? I I think it was Neil. Yeah, all right. And then Neil can finish out.
4: Okay, I just have the regular King James version. Mm
2: -hmm. The
4: word that Isaiah, the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken the people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished, from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold. Neither is there any end of their treasures and their land is also full of horses. Neither is any there any end of their chariots and their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands that which their own fingers have made And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock, and hide thee in the dust, for fear of the Lord, and for the glory of his majesty.
7: The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty and upon everyone that is lifted up and he shall be brought low and upon all the cedars of lebanon that are high and lifted up and upon all the oaks of Bushan, and upon all the high mountains and upon all the hills that are lifted up and upon every high tower and upon every fenced wall and upon all the ships of tarshish and upon all the pleasant pictures And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of man shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rock and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. See she for man whose breath is in his nostrils for wherein is he to be accounted of.
0: Yeah, again, if you would have asked me to interpret this a year ago, I would have been like, but um, there, there's many things here that um, really point to our day, namely they're in uh, verse 20 or 2012, where it talks about that um, Jehovah of Hosts has a day in store, that there's this, this day of Jehovah, meaning the, uh, the three or three and a half years of, uh, of tribulations. And what all leads up to it what it all plays out like um, this is this is a, a huge chapter to understand our time and, and kind of what we're we're gearing up for and going through um, what so what things did you see in this chapter that really are relatable to 2020 2021 uh, the times that we're living
2: yeah Alethea.
5: well I wish I was gonna say um... I think it's interesting because we always read this scripture that go up to the mountain of the Lord's house. What is it? Is that what it is? The mountains of the Lord's house. Um, And we talk about, Oh, that's Salt Lake. That's the temples. That's whatever. But I really think that it also is talking about end times, right? Because then it talks about in verse four, about beating your swords into plowshares. Well, we haven't done that. If anything, we're fighting more. The thing that really struck me the most on this is um, oh, where was that where it talked about all the people flowing and it makes me think that, um, how many people who are not members of the church will be saved in that last time in the end times that will be going, oh, we need to go to Zion and let's go there because they'll teach us in the way of the Lord. Am I reading that correctly?
0: Uh, Yeah, so um, with Avraham's commentary, uh, he talks about the mountains being nations. So um, much like in Isaiah Dakota, it talked about uh, trees and groves and forests being three different sizes of of peoples. Uh, Much like this one, it's talking about rocks and hills and mountains. So mountains means like a whole nation or the nation of Zion. Um, so the the promised land in its uh, holier state, where uh, people are flowing to it, like you're saying, uh, coming to like let's go to Zion and uh, you know uh, yeah, milk and honey, like everything's flowing and there.
5: But these aren't necessarily members, right? Because you're saying mm-hmm. let's go and we're going to learn. You guys will teach us the right way. And so yeah. that's just, I mean, we've talked about it before that we're going to be shocked at how many members aren't here and how many non-members are, but right here, I mean, it's, they're flowing to the, to the temple, right. And to Zion that just really stuck out to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And so I don't know the-
5: how much that relates to 2020 <laughs> and 2021, but that was what stuck out to me. We're
2: gearing up for it for sure. yeah, and oh. yeah for oh me uh-huh. yeah.
4: Okay. okay um that well again it's really about all the idols and and all the possessions i mean over and over again all the all the possessions that that men have and and you think about people now you know and like we said, we're, we're not trying to judge anyone, but I mean, our homes are full, and and some some of us have storage units full of stuff, and our yards are full of stuff, and you know, we, we just have so much stuff, and and you know, I love I love what was said about the missionaries that they just go with the a suitcase or two, and um, that's just what stood out to me is again just the idols. And we're, we really are seeing that right now.
2: So what's the
0: opposite of idolatry and, and like actual idols kind of thing? What, what's God's righteous plan for that? Yeah,
2: he well, it, mm-hmm.
4: yeah, I think it's okay to have possessions, but they shouldn't be more important to you than God or yeah. Jesus Christ or, you know,
2: yeah.
0: our
4: family or, you know, things like that.
0: Exactly. As I was pondering that in the temple today, I was thinking about, oh, man, like, because Satan uh, has a, a counterfeit for everything, right? And so, like, here's the, the law of consecration where, yes, you are a steward, but these things don't mean anything to you unless you're giving thanks to God of thing. And then idolatry is the exact opposite and and Satan's counterfeit to this lofty goal of uh, Full on consecration right and and how idolatry is even in uh, socialist and, and communist forms of of thinking or those ideologies there um anyway it was just very insightful to me thinking okay because I, I went in going how can i better fight idolatry in my own life and it was well take a look at the pattern what is it in opposite of counteract it with that start consecrating more And it was like, oh, okay, I got this. (laughs) Uh, It was just a a light bulb moment for me, I guess. But yeah, um, I think it was Neil, were were you, had a comment there?
7: It was just, yeah, there's a lot in this this chapter related to the last days. Uh, It's talking about the earth being shaken. We're living in those times when the earth is in turmoil and we have all stuff going on. Um, The... The two cities, New Jerusalem and Old Jerusalem, one where the law be, and the Lord's in the other one, well, that's after the millennium starts and built, but as that's happening, as we build the New Jerusalem, everybody wants to get there, because that's where peace and safety is, and and the rest of the world's in turmoil, so that's why nations flowing onto it and whatnot, Um, uh, you know, people that worship idols and whatnot are going to hide themselves because... They can't stand to be in the presence of God, and and don't feel worthy. So it's just I, I just see this this is the end times being played out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and hopefully it doesn't play out the exact same way that it is for the Israelites. <laughs> this is what we're trying to avoid is is another Babylonian captivity. But we know that it comes for the those that don't uh, heed his warnings. Uh, just like the, the video that I put in the, the chat here, I highly encourage watching it because it, it really makes sense and I'm going to probably reference it all the time. Um, but the, the, the end times in uh, chapters 56 through 66 of Isaiah, he really dives in with this, one of the grandest chiasms ever in, in that structure. And he specifically delineates out what will happen to the wicked, and what will happen to the servants, and you get to choose. What do you want to do? Israel has played it out over and over again, the the wrong choice to make, and what the punishments are, but if you still want that, that pathway is, is still open. You can take that if you want, but I'm trying to give you all the examples of when it didn't work out, but if you'll just become my servants, it, it all works out and you, you get the, the, the blessings that that come from a covenant, uh, from all three of the covenants, Davidic, Sinai, and,
2: and Abrahamic.
7: Um, uh, Jamila had her hand up.
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, go for it.
1: Was that for me? Thank you. Um, I don't know. Am I the only one that doesn't want to bring up or is willing to bring up the elephant in the room of they please themselves and the children of strangers?
2: Yeah, Talking about that,
1: that's very 2020, 2021. And it brings up the same birth or right after the cucumbers, right? There's this one place where there's luscious melons where it requires water and a garden. And if not for this, it would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. Which, yeah. you know, was known for a lot of things, but yeah, sodomy anything. I'm sure was one of them. So um yeah, that resonates and how it's open. It just is open yeah, and acceptable. I I came across something and it was like oh my gosh, it, it hurts me just to say it, but pedophilia is an, this it was an advertisement saying, This is not my personal opinion. Um, but an advertisement saying pedophilia is a normal sexual orientation and that we need to be um, open, open to that is what the advertisement said. Um, and it just absolutely shocked me first to see it on my feed, but to know that that kind of thing is just open. I don't have another word for it, but it's yeah. how, how acceptable, like
2: that. Yeah. socially okay yeah exactly
1: because it's not okay so uh, there you go you're welcome for making it as awkward (laughs) as
0: i could i love it but i mean it's what we're dealing with like who i would have guessed five years ago
1: i mean we, we kind
0: of think that these things might be happening and stuff but now that it's just right in our face and and it's demanding our attention and and approval it's like holy cow how did we get here I, I always go back to Sabbath day observance and, and then all of the things that, that come off of that kind of, thing. I, there's so much just love God, spend time in the scriptures and, and just do right. Pay attention to the covenants.
2: <laughs> there's,
5: Some of it, us saw it, that coming 10 years ago and talked about it and we were laughed at. And of course the community said, there's no way. That's not what our plan is. That's not what we're going to do. And here we are, saying, yeah, you did.
2: <laughs> exactly. It's just
0: crazy. Um, yeah, so my mom was saying that Stefan had a question in the chat. Sorry, I'm uh, tonight my, my brain isn't working. I hadn't looked at the, the chat. Um, so it says, did I understand this right to mean that the first chapter is a, a preface? So yeah, if we're looking at Isaiah in a chronological of when the chapters were written, uh, Isaiah chapter one is not first, um, but it is placed first as a preface, much like the Doctrine and Covenants um, has a preference uh, preface written by the, the Lord. Um, uh, yeah, this this chapter one here is is kind of the preface, and and what it's doing is laying down the bifid structure of ruin and rebirth. It's kind of giving us this, this outline of yes. The children of Israel always ruin themselves. But there is rebirth. There is hope if you'll take it, if you'll take your covenant seriously. And, uh, you know, just like President Nelson always talks about, especially like when he started uh, his presidency, how they announced that in the Salt Lake Temple and saying, begin with the end in mind. Do whatever it takes, wherever you're at, get on the covenant path, stay on the covenant path keep enduring to the end like there's more than just floating along and and trying to uh, just outlast Uh, this is about rising to the occasion that that we've been called and foreordained to to perform in these last days yeah Stefan.
6: so my last job um i worked for the covey family And of course, as we all know, one of the seven habits is to work with the end of mind. And so we used to coin that as to caveat something. (laughs) And it makes all the difference in the world, in business, in the gospel. Uh, You know, it just seems to be uh, an incredible principle because if all of us could understand what the eternities were about and then work backwards from there. Wouldn't we do things so much differently in our lives?
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> exactly.
0: I, I love that. I haven't read that book for so long. I need to pull that back out and internalize it again. That's a, a great one. All right. Well, I, I hope we're, we're all stoked for Isaiah. Um, it's it's going to be a wild ride. But um, if you have any questions and comments or uh, suggestions for how to lead these group discussions better, I'm always open to that. Uh, studying scriptures together is always kind of uh, a hard one, um, you know, rather than just like kind of diving into some scriptures, analyzing them, etc. But um, anyway, I, I'm willing to take it wherever anybody wants to suggest and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. But um, yeah, I highly recommend those those two videos, 16 minutes long, to, to watch that, get familiar with the the historicity of uh, the book of Isaiah and uh, kind of the, the context that we're, we're starting to see it. Um, and yeah, um, if anybody has any questions or anything about uh, any of the Isaiah Institute or IsaiahExplain.com, uh, how to navigate, how to access those things, the Apocalyptic Commentary is available for, for free on lots of different places, um, but also on the app for like 4 or $5. Um, you can can listen to it in, in the audio or, or read it. Um, but those are, are super helpful. I find that as I'm working, I can put those on and really start seeing some of these things in, in a much broader context. Um, oh yeah and and said said those sabbath day trainings yeah i <laughs> thank you for reminding me i will send those out um those are it's in two parts and they're each an hour long they they did edit them heavily and put them on the church website in kind of a, a back corner um but i'm going to send you the originals hopefully if i can find them real quick um i know they're on my dropbox somewhere i just got to find them um and and all the handouts and, and everything with them um Let's see. So, um, Stephen, are you raising your hand again or did it just Uh, not? Yeah.
6: So we didn't just say anything of chapter three in Isaiah, but I've always been amazed at how Isaiah saw our latter days. At the end of the chapter, he, you know, in verses 18, 19, 20, he lists 18 items of what goes on in our world and how people adorn themselves. And, uh, you know, the tinkling of ornaments around the feet. And, you know, it's just amazing how he explains in his own words, because he, you know, doesn't have our vocabulary, right, as to try to explain what it's going to look like in our day and age. And he does a pretty good job, actually, you know, of saying, Mm -hmm. wow, you guys have really overdone it a little here.
0: (laughs) Yep. I, I don't remember if it was in this group uh, or um, uh, one of the one of the study groups they they said that it's interesting in the Utah culture at church that sometimes it's kind of hard to keep up with the Joneses as far as appearance and, and all of the different things um, uh, being a hick from Idaho a small town I, I don't really see that as much but um, I, I kind of seen it when I went back to Colorado to visit my, my sister a, a few weeks ago and I was like Oh, man, <laughs> it kind of does exist. <laughs> but um, uh, as I was reading Isaiah this week, I'm like, man, we, we really do need to, to do some, some work on this. That, um, that the gospel is kind of have this, this outer shell of haughtiness that um, we need to debase ourselves, humble ourselves, and, and seek the Lord in, in true things. Um, sorry, that was a long tangent, but uh, I, I I loved that insight from uh, uh, one of these groups uh, about kind of that that culture of, of keeping up with the Joneses. There, I I've recently encountered them. Oh, okay, I get what you're saying. All right, well, I, I think with that we'll uh, say adieu for the night, but uh, it's been fun. I I'm super excited for Isaiah it's a, It's now becoming fun. (laughs) I've never thought of it as fun. And this is one of my first times through really engaging it uh, with with full power. Uh, I think it's super crucial for uh, this year and in the coming uh, couple three years to really understand this and start teaching it. Um, I I think I'm going to bring back my my suggested homework assignments um, uh, in, in future weeks as we're going through. To, to really start sharing this in different ways and, and things so that we can start uh, bringing other people along with this. Uh, feel free to invite others to the group, uh, whichever group, uh, the Sundays or, or the Wednesdays, um, to, to kind of help people understand Isaiah for, for the first time, uh, many for the first time. Um, uh, I find that uh, openly talking about it all the time uh, is is so helpful in my communications with, with family members and friends. Um, that Isaiah is so crucial. And anyway, uh, that that'll come later in, in my homework assignments. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks everyone for your participation. It's been so fun. I'm I'm super excited to, to keep uh, studying this for the for the next fourteen weeks. Thank awesome. you
3: Cameron. Thank you so much.
2: Yep. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. We'll see everyone next week. Good night. Bye.